0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Comic Source. This is a creator on Spotlight. We're going to talk about a few other things as well. It's my pleasure to welcome J.M. DiMatteis back to the show. One of my favorite writers. J.M., thanks for joining me. Happy to be back. Yeah, we had such a great conversation last time talking we about did. identity and duality. And, you know, it's a theme that runs through a lot of your, your books. Uh, you have Spider-Man's Lost Hunt coming up soon, kind of a uh, following in the same time period as the Ben Riley. Uh series that we talked about last time you're here, and we'll touch on that. I also, I, we have to talk a little bit about The Excavator, your novella that came out earlier this year that I just loved. Oh, hear. you did. That's great. That, yeah. You know, I haven't I haven't gotten a lot of feedback on that, so I'm really happy to know that you read it and enjoyed it. I, it was one of those things I couldn't put it down. I read it all in one sitting, uh which was not my plan. I just, oh, look. Oh, you know,
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's JM. I'm going to support this. It's going to be good. And I started reading it. Luckily, I had the time. <laughs> I didn't get pulled away. Yeah, I figured, oh, let me dive into the first couple of pages, and then I just I just blew through it. Oh, that's great.
1: If you're so inclined, you can leave a review at Amazon. 100%. Oh, it really, 100%, help. it really 100%. helps.
0: Yes, I will do that right after we're done talking. Right. Uh, and no, yeah. And well, we're, we're, do it now.
1: I'll just keep talking. You go right through.
0: <laughs> I promise I won't forget. Uh, we're going to let you all know what the excavator is about as well, because uh, it's fantastic. Um, but I do want to start out with the demultiverse. Your, yes. Uh, crowdfunded spotlight that's going on right now, sort of a pilot season for these four different titles. And I want to talk about just the the, kind of your creativity, this fertile mind that all these awesome uh, stories spring from, but let's give everybody the overview and kind of tell them what this deep multiverse project is about. Uh, And then we'll kind of go book by book with who your collaborator is and just, we're not going to spoil people. So Forewarned, right? Uh, I never want to spoil because I want you guys to pick up the books and read them. Right. Um, we're just, we we're going to you- tease. Yeah. We're going to tease. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do want to give you an idea of what they're about. So give us a little bit of an idea of why you finally decided to take the, the uh, crowdfunded plunge and then what each of these titles are about.
1: Sure. You know, I, I, I've been thinking about the whole crowdfunding thing and Kickstarter for quite a while because, you know, I keep seeing all these other people doing it. And, and as someone who does a lot of creator own work and has been doing practically since the beginning of my career, I'm always looking for new doorways, new venues, new ways to get these ideas out into the world. And in some ways it's easier than ever, and in some ways it's harder than ever. Um, And that's a whole other discussion, which we don't have to get into now. Um, But the thing that held me back was quite simply, it just seemed like a tremendous amount of work, tremendous amount of work. Um, And I don't think, I didn't think I had the nervous system for it, quite frankly. And uh luckily uh, I I met a guy named David Baldy. David uh, took my writing class, uh my uh, imagination 101 writing class about a year and a half, 2 years ago. We became friends. David is a a writer and a producer with 20 years of experience in TV. He's also a businessman who runs a very successful business. So he's he's got the creative brain and he's got the other brain that I don't have, which is the business brain. And we were, we were just talking about all these, these ideas that I have. And I mentioned the, the Kickstarter thing. And he said, well, I, I would be happy to run one of these things for you. Really? She would. And, you know, because he, he, as he explained it uh, during the pandemic, his, uh, his, his love of comics got reignited and he, uh, he wanted to get involved in the industry in some way. And he had this idea of maybe becoming a publisher. So he thought, maybe this would be his doorway into that. And so we started talking about ideas. And I pitched him four ideas thinking, all right, we'll pick one of these. We'll develop a five issue mini series, And that's what we'll do. And David was the one who said, let's do all four of them. And my eyes just kind of lit up because I can get all of these out into the world right now. And then we will continue them down the line. But the idea of getting all four ideas at once. Plus, I don't know if anyone's ever done a Kickstarter quite like this, where you're essentially, you know, launching a mini line of comics. You know, so uh, we just started working together, and it turned into a fantastic partnership. And as you know, the part of me that was was hoping I would avoid hard work, forget it. There's been so much work <laughs> involved in this, but it's also been really, really exhilarating. So uh, David created this uh, this label, uh, the Spellbound Comics uh and we launched last Tuesday last Tuesday yeah we've uh we reached our goal in a few hours now we intentionally set the goal low because we want people to know once that goal is set no matter you know no matter what you're getting your books these books are going to be printed they're going to be out there they're going to be in your hands so but there's a long way to go still because we have as as we'll discuss a lot of amazing creators. A lot has been invested in this project. I want Spellbound to get their investment back, and then also we want to be able to to make enough that we can easily go forward. So uh, I'll say before I jump into the particulars that one of the fun things uh, that we're doing is we're going to put out, we're putting out these four books. You can get them either as individual comics or a nice big fat collected edition with all kinds of extras. If you either buy all four or buy the collected edition, you get to cast your vote on which is the first of these four to continue to a complete mini series, which I think is really cool because the magic of Kickstarter is here's me, here's the audience. And this wall is basically gone. And this voting allows them to take one more step forward and wow. be a full participant uh, in this. So that's how it all
0: came about. Yeah. And uh, something you mentioned there about kind of wanting to, I, I don't think necessarily av- avoid the hard work, uh, but the thing is, we you know as a fan and you yourself as a creator you i want you to spend your time actually creating not right boxing up books and shipping stuff and handling damages and, and that sort of thing and yes um, and, and so I, I think that's what you mean just to clarify you know it's not that you're afraid of, of hard work it's just we want your efforts to go where they need to go so fantastic yeah. that you have this partner to kind of take over the, lo, the logistical side.
1: Right and it's just so funny because this week I noticed that actually doing my writing work has been like a vacation <laughs> <You> know, it's <laughs> like I'm going to go write The Lost Hunt for a few hours now and then oh it's like it became very me- writing became so meditative because I could step away from this because one of the one of the interesting things about doing this is you have to really promote it constantly right because if you're promoting on social media as I've learned over the years just because I I said something at one o'clock doesn't mean that at two o'clock there's a whole different audience out mm-hmm. there and I've seen things over the years where you think oh god I, I can't mention this anymore because I feel like I don't want to overwhelm people and then you find out that that someone goes oh I didn't know that was coming out even though you mentioned it 50 times so you really really unfortunately or fortunately depending on your perspective need to flog this a bit you know and that's the hard in a lot of ways that's the hardest part for me the promotion yeah. part
0: yeah well, i don't you- mind
1: this having a conversation like this but even this i'm doing more podcasts in a month's time than i've ever done in my entire <laughs> yeah, life
0: exactly exactly uh,
1: but it's-, it's important it's important because you know what this is this this project is one of the most exciting things i've ever been involved in in my entire career and it's so much fun and it means so much to me that yeah i'm i i am doing a lot of work and I'm willing to do the work and I'm doing it with joy and a trifle bit of exhaustion.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm sure I feel sort of similar to David Baldy in that uh, I just want more Demetrius, uh you know, work out there in the world. So this is the way to do that. And the other thing you mentioned, removing the barrier between the fans. Uh, the other thing it does is it's more creative freedom than, than ever, right? Like if it, th- this is you 100% calling the shots on everything, but It's also you 100% calling the shots and everything in terms of, oh, I got to figure out what paper I want to use and, you know, the printing process and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Right.
1: And one of the nice things with David is that it's been a real partnership. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm consulting with him on the business things. I know I can turn to him because he's a writer Uh, on the creative end. You know, we're both kind of going over the artwork and the coloring. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? So it's been a really great creative partnership. It's been a delight working with David and he is, he he's really the one that made this happen because on my own, honestly, I never would have done it. Yeah, done it. it is.
0: It is a tremendous investment in time. And I'm glad that you mentioned that you guys sort of uh, purposely set the goal low. So this, you know, this work will be out there in the world. But to your other point about we need to keep going here, there are stretch goals. And there's also if these need to continue, there's no reason why we can't hit, you know, say 100,000. And then you're that much further along Exactly, toward the next one and the next right, one. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Because yeah,
1: all you. of these stories, as we'll discuss, they're all really big stories. And and uh, the delight and the frustration. The delight is that I'm getting this out into the world. Here's here's chapter one. Here I will establish what this is about for you. You'll get a sense of what it is and where it's going. But in my head, I know where this is going and the, what's what the story that's this narrow. I know. Is going to be this big as we continue and as we introduce more characters, and more concepts. And so uh, I, I truly hope that this is a huge success so we can continue them all.
0: Yeah, it is the kind of the number one thing I hear from comic fans and comic readers about why they don't do Kickstarter. Well, it's just it's so, so long sometimes in between issues or before you get the whole story. And I always have to explain to them that this isn't, I mean, Marvel and DC, the kind of the, when people think of comics, that's sort of what they think these days, they're now owned by these, you know, huge multinational corporations. They can afford to put out a monthly book uh, and have the logistics to put out a monthly book for a creator owned, somebody who's, do, who's crowdfunding, that would be impo- That would be impossible. It just right. is. Right.
1: You know, unless you had some magic investor that came along and just dumped a tremendous amount of money right. in your lap. And if you're out there, investor, Come on down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, we're going to get into uh, what the individual books are about right now, everybody, but, but real quick before we do that, and I'm going to remind everybody again at the end, the best way you can help out uh, JM, the best way you can help help out David Baldy and um, Spellbound Comics is obviously to, to back the Kickstarter and to let everybody know that it's out there. Put it on your social media, tell your friends, mention it at your local comic shop. That being said, Maybe you want to join the Kickstarter, but you just don't have the means right now or, or you decide this just isn't for you. You can still help out. You can still help out, uh, those that might want to back, but may not be aware of it by just sharing it on social media. Throw yes, it up on Twitter, great. throw it up on Instagram. That, that's, that, you know, just nearly right there helping as much as backing it yourself. So just a reminder, as I always do with these crowdfund, uh, projects, everybody just get, let's get the word out there. So anybody who, you know, because like JM said, the worst thing is, two weeks after it's over going, I would have joined, but I didn't know it was, it was happening. Uh, Well,
1: here's one really good thing about that. That issue is that I know some people I think are skeptical of Kickstarter in general. they just, that we have a site, spellboundcomics.com. You can just go there and buy the books. Oh, cool. Which is, you know, which is, you know, it's going to be a a, a smaller, much smaller amount of people because we've got the rewards and everything else going on on Kickstarter. But if for whatever reason you're not comfortable with a Kickstarter, just go to Spellbound Comics and you can buy the books there.
0: Yeah, there you go. And you will still be able to participate and vote and do all that. Great, fantastic. Well, that that is a good point. Um, before we get into the books, is that this is fully funded, everybody? So it's not a situation where I'm going to put my money in and maybe I'm going to get it, maybe not. Th-
1: this, yeah, these... this is happening. And yeah, In fact, I'll stress this too. All four of the books are almost done. I mean, we are so oh, far along. By the time the Kickstarter is over, at the beginning of what, November tenth all the books will be finished. They're, you know, they're mostly done now. So what we really have to do after that is just get the trade paperback together. I'm going to be writing introductions to each of the stories. We're getting a forward from Tom DeFalco. We're going to have all kinds of extra art and scripts and fun things in the back. And then, of course, there's printing and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So we're hoping that this will all be in everyone's hands by the spring. Fantastic.
0: Well, we've teased you all long enough. Four stories. Let's hear what they're uh, what they're all about, Jay. Oh, I'm not going right. to tell you. Forget it. I don't <laughs> want to get into much. <laughs> all
1: right. Where do you want to start?
0: Uh, well, let's start with uh, let's start with wisdom because that's the one that has me most excited.
1: Okay. Okay. Is it, is it because you're a Mandrake fan?
0: Uh a little bit, but more. I'm just this fan of of mixing those two genres, uh, yeah. western and yeah. supernatural. Like, uh I'm am a Stephen King fan, and The Dark Tower is is you know one of my favorite literary works ever um was also i don't know if you're familiar with I, th- I think it was called oh i'm drawing a blank i know it's not deadwood because that's an hbo show but there was like a collectible card game deadlands that's what it's called oh, okay that was no kind I'm, of not. That same, I'm not yeah
1: it's funny that you mentioned deadwood because the, the one liner we've been using for this is deadwood meets the lord of the rings oh there you go <laughs> because it is on one level it's an epic fantasy and you know um but it's set against the backdrop of the old west and it, it this story really started for me uh When I was a kid, Westerns were everywhere. Mm -hmm. I I put a picture up on Twitter the other day of myself. I think I was four four years old in my cowboy outfit with my cowboy hat, riding my hobby horse. I looked online recently at at a TV schedule from when I was about six years old and I counted out. Now there were only three networks, about 27 Westerns in prime time. Wow. Not to mention the movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Westerns were sort of in my blood growing up. I, I, one of my favorite books when I was a kid was called Remember the Alamo. It was the story of the Alamo. And I used to go to the library, get that book out, read it, bring it back, wait a week, go back to the library. Get the book out. I just love, I don't know what it was, you know, but that was, so that was in my blood. And then as an adult, that sort of went away. And I woke up one morning, this has got to be about 10 years ago or more. And when stories come to me, they tend to come as movies in my head. Um, And I'm laying in bed, or just woke up, and there's a movie playing in my head. And I go, ooh, that's cool. It's a Western. That's really great. Oh, ooh, there's magic. It's a supernatural Western. You know, I didn't know. And that's the fun. I'm discovering it as as I'm watching it. And then I run into my office and I start making notes that I ended up with, I don't know, By the time I was done, a 40 or 50 page proposal with all these ideas and all these characters um, about a guy who starts off. uh, He's the he's the son of a very wealthy family in upstate New York. His father's a banker. His mother died when he was very, very young. He's pampered. He's indulged. His dream in life is to be an actor. And he's not a very good one. But his father has a lot of money, so he funds a theater company for him during the time of which he, this uh, this guy, Gabriel Wisdom, meets his wife. And then the father dies. The empire collapses because this poor guy has no head for business. Mm-hmm. And he's left basically with nothing. So he packs up his wife. They go to Chicago. He tries being a reporter for a Chicago newspaper, but his head is in the clouds. He's a terrible reporter. And he'd rather make up stories than report on stories. He loses that job. But where are you going to go? Pack up the wagon. We're going West. And he ends mm-hmm. up in this town in the West where he s- starts his own newspaper. And his wife takes care of the news part. And he's writing little stories for the back of that. And, and they have they have a fairly, a fairly good life. There are some twists and turns there, which I won't get into. But one night he goes home because the newspaper has now failed. And they're going to move on again. Time to go to California. Loaded everything up in the wagon. He heads home and he finds that his house with his wife and his newborn daughter in it is on fire. And riding out of the flames are these spectral, shadowy figures on horseback, these supernatural figures that gallop away. And um, that begins the turn for him, both in terms of his personality and his life, first into a savage, dark gunslinger called the Fifth Horseman, who becomes one of the most feared gunslingers in the West. And eventually into a sorcerer who is tasked with stopping this great evil that is coming, not just for the West, but for the world. And of course, the abduction of his wife and daughter is part of that. So it becomes a two-pronged story where he has to stop this massive, more cosmic threat, but he also wants to find, save, and redeem his wife and daughter who've been taken by these dark forces. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. This is one of those stories, too. I'll tell you a five-issue miniseries, but there's another one after that and another one after that. And who knows? You know, Given the chances could go on for years
0: yeah, it does sound huge in scope, but I love that it starts off sort of intimate, focused on him, and then, you know, branches out to, to something so much larger. It sounds like you could tell stories of other characters in this world. Yes, yes. I in understand. fact,
1: it's so funny because I had another Western idea I was developing a couple of years ago, and I realized, oh, I could put this together with this. So if we get a chance to continue, I'm going to bring those characters in that world together with this world and merge them. And, and you know, if you're familiar with Tom Mandrake's art, and I'm sure you are, mm-hmm. um, he is a master of the supernatural. You know, very few people do supernatural comics the way that Mandrake does. So much mood, so much shadow and humanity with all that. And he also was great at Westerns. Remember, he did the Kents with the John mm-hmm. Um And, and you know, the fact that he's a master of both those forms made him perfect for this. So I was so delighted when he agreed to do it. And it's beautiful, beautiful work. Just If you look on the website, you'll see some examples of that work. It's just really astonishingly good. Some of the best work I think he's ever done. And Tom's wife, Jan Dursema, is coloring the book. Taylor Esposito, a great, great letterer, is Mm -hmm. lettering it. I mean, we have top-notch people across the way. Um, Dustin Yen, I hope he's pronouncing his last name, very, very well-known artist, is doing our alternate cover for that one. And um, it's just really, really exciting.
0: Yeah. Fantastic that you have uh, Tom on it. Here's the thing about Tom. Like if you ever, if any listeners, if you've ever seen Tom Mandrake uh, work on the Spectre, right? Go, yeah. go Google it. If oh you Go Google God. it if you haven't, right? You know, Spectre, Spirit of Vengeance sort of characters are that hard edge to him. And there's always a little bit of anger with the supernatural, and it sounds like this Gabriel Wisdom. He's he's kind of pissed off too. So again, I think yes, Tom, he goes
1: through quite a character turn. He goes through quite a character turn and turns into quite a a savage character. And and uh, but that's the fun of it because as we talked about last time, I like characters with a lot of duality in them. That right. that person that he was is still in there, but it's been layered over with this with this with this despair and with this rage. And then he's t- ultimately tasked with this this impossible task really you know i'm the guy that's got to save the world um so he's a fascinating character and then he he has a supporting cast around him that are equally fascinating that i don't want to get into too much
0: yeah uh well we're going to talk about the next book but one last thing on 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 wisdom here uh what do you think it is about uh supernatural genre and western genre that go together is it this idea that kind of thought about the the West as sort of an an unknown and supernatural is similar or do you think it's something else? Yeah,
1: maybe that's it. You know, I never—that's a great question, and I never really thought about it. But it's 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 the classic idea of the of the frontier, mm. whether the frontier was you know that's what Mer- Melville did with the ocean, right? Right. Uh, you know, it's like the great vast unknown out there, and you're in this ship, and what's out there? What is that giant whale anyway? You know, um, and the same thing with the West—it's the frontier. There are many unknowns out there, and 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 we're we're leaving what we know. We're leaving, and it's, it's literally wisdom's uh, journey. He's leaving everything. He he knows each step of the journey, he's losing more and more and more. And then finally, he loses his wife and child. And I actually never thought about this until we're talking about it right now. And he's sort of naked alone in this frontier. Um, and and I think it is. It's that. So there's always, you know, life. It's a great metaphor for for those those times in life when life just feels dangerous and horrifying. And we're out there in the unknown and we're trying, either we're forced into something we didn't want to be in or we're trying something new. Even when we're trying something new that, we, that we're that we positive about, it's scary. You know, yeah. so the supernatural yeah. allows us to literalize those
0: feelings. Yeah, I, humans are just so interesting to me because honestly, when you talk about the unknown, there's a fear of it. You don't want it, but then if you know everything that's coming, then you complain, "Ah, life's boring and complacent." You know, we're never satisfied. Yeah, humans.
1: yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, as and as as insecure humans, sometimes I had a line years ago in Moonshadow, and I will mangle it, but sometimes a comfortable misery is preferable to an unknown joy because we're scared.
0: Yeah yeah you know? and you know what that that's kind of one of the themes of excavator too which you know we won't spoil but we'll get into it in a little bit uh well let's talk about God's end next um because it it's sort of uh it seems to me going to be exploring another of your your interest and themes throughout your books which is uh spirituality so let us know what God's end is about
1: okay it's interesting right off the the bat there's the there's the title you said God's end and I say God's end you know, and when Matt Smith and I were talking about it, he kept saying "Godsend," I kept saying "Godsend," and I realized, oh wow, both titles well, actually apply to this story. So, um, "Godsend" is the name that's given to this. Cele- My one-liner is, you know, Kirby God's meets uh, the Matrix meets Phil K. Dick. Hmm. Um, I I love those sort of reality shredding stories where, you know, who am I? Who do I think I am versus who I really am? What is reality versus what? is laying underneath reality that I didn't know was there. Those stories that make you want to kind of touch the wall when you're done to see if it's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, remember literally remember that Twilight Zone, that old, old Twilight Zone, where the girl literally rolled through the world wall into another dimension, you know? Right, yeah. It scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. I used to actually touch the wall because I was afraid I would roll into another dimension. Make sure know? it's solid. <laughs> So anyway, our main character, his name uh, is Eric Small. He's a middle-aged junior high school teacher. He's really just a sad, lonely guy. He's got one friend, uh, and, and they're both science fiction and fantasy nerds. He's he's unhealthy. He's overweight. He had a terrible, dysfunctional childhood. Um, he's He's got a mad crush on one of the teachers at his school, and he doesn't even have the courage to approach her. Um, it's not a good life that he's living. But into this world descends this celestial being that the media dubs godsend, and might be a force for good. But we don't really know. Maybe he's here to destroy us. We don't really know. Um, but he, Eric becomes obsessed with this guy. What, well, you know, suddenly, is he's he's living in this mundane little gray world. And it's like, a burst, you know. You know, we have those days when you, you look up at the clouds and the light is coming through the clouds. It almost looks like the door to heaven is opened. You know, mm-hmm. that's the impression that Godsend has on on uh, on our main character. He's like Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, obsessing over the UFOs, except he's obsessing over godsend. He just has to know. And it's touching something in his soul that he doesn't really understand. And it's touching other people in similar ways, Um, including this woman uh, at the school that he works at that he has this mad, mad crush on. And then one day into Eric's living room appears this like seven foot tall turtle being with a man's head and says, get on my back. What? Get on my back gets on his back, and they fly out the window. And this begins uh, a journey for Eric that completely upends his sense of who he is, his sense of what the world is, and I can't say anymore. And and this is another one of those stories where I think the first issue was really, really good, but I know what's coming, and we are opening the door on what could be literally dozens of characters coming in the issues, and, and hopefully years ahead with
0: Godsend. So it's it's again uh, seems like a very personal project for you, pulling yes. On this interest of of spirituality and and the way belief in in something larger than ourselves can pull us together, but also yes. inspiration from uh, you know you mentioned uh, new gods, you know one of one of your uh, inspirations in terms of creators, Jack, Jack Kirby, right? So Absolutely. these are gods that are sort of a, a mixture. Are you pulling from from real myth? I mean, turtles in a lot of especially yes. Eastern. Yes, um, and turtle. Also from, in, I know
1: in, in, in Hindu philosophy, I think the world rests upon the turtle's right. back, the cosmic right. turtle, and, and it's in and it's in other traditions as well, and that's where I did pull that image from. It's sort of it's from my own unconscious. It's from other places. Uh, I like it, I, this is an idea I've been playing with for years and years, probably since the early two thousands, and I have a list of characters that are going to be showing up here. And again, I know what's going to happen. I just want to tell you, but I can't. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and uh, Matt is so good. Matt, you know, one of Matt's great skills is, like Kevin Maguire, but in a totally different way, his ability to really give us faces and body language that really, really express humanity. You know, uh, he's so, so good at that. So good at that. And, uh, and, and this is, along with being a cosmic story, it's a very human story. And I started working on this actually at the beginning of the pandemic because Matt and I thought we were just going to do it and put it out ourselves for free digitally, just for the hell of it, just mm-hmm. to have something to do. So I've written a bunch of this. I've written way beyond where the first issue ends. Um, so um, I'm just I'm just really excited. Well, I'm excited about all of them. So I'm going to say that about each one, but I really, really am. I'm really excited about each of these stories, and I truly hope we get to continue them.
0: Yeah, so uh, one last thing before we move on uh, to the next – Title: Matthew Dow Smith, you mentioned your collaborator on this. When you were, was it tough to decide which of the gods you were going to put in the story uh, and and talk a little bit about character design? Because Matthew's work has just it's not anybody else's right like it's very recognizable as his work you would never confuse it for anyone else
1: yeah I was you know it's funny I was comparing him not stylistically but I was comparing him to Ditko in that when you look at Ditko you see Ditko and it doesn't look like anybody else right you know there are a lot of people that imitate Kirby you don't really see many people that imitate Ditko because it's so singular and Matt's work is very 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 singular and you know, on on designs and things with all these, you know, you're going back and forth. You know, I I say this is what I'm seeing in my head. You know, Matt, we'll do a design, we'll send it over, we'll talk about it. David's been in on it too. You know, oh, what if we add a little bit of this to the costume? What if we do that? You know? Um, so it's 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 a it's that's one of the the fun parts of doing this is we're building something from nothing. We're building worlds out of the air. And then we get together and we throw ideas around and and then suddenly from nothing comes something, you know, it's really, it's, 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 I, it's, that's, what's the joy of the creative life is, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to read all these, man. I'm going to have such a hard time choosing which one to continue. I'll probably be. There there will be an option well, to have if, all four, if, right? Well, if people want all four and they vote for all four, that means the next
1: Kickstarter will be for another for issue two of all of them in a collection with four stores. And again, yeah, oh, there we go. And if that's what people want. You know, uh it would be really great if we could just do a quarterly anthology with, you know, a chapter every, you know, four times a year. I you know, but we'd have to get a lot of money for that one to happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, That's why you, got, all you all you listeners, you need to go out there and check this out. Join, go to Kickstarter. Yes, and,
1: and if there yeah. are a, any billionaires out there that would like to contribute, please, uh, we welcome you aboard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bezos, <laughs> Gates, I, you, know, you guys, guys right? I,
1: I'm sure Bill Gates is, is is a huge fan of my work. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, let's talk. Uh, and again, I I, I got this sense of, of kind of the inspiration behind it, Layla in the lands of after. I know you're a huge uh. Wizard of Oz fan. I and, am. I yeah, am. and and I also got a little bit of a, um, the 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 project that you did with Mike Plug uh, Abadazad. Abadazad. Um, yes, yeah, I got a little yeah. bit of that as well. So, uh, and yes. I, yeah, the fact you're doing it with Sean McManus, yeah, you, you guys had that um, that quintessential Doctor Fate run with his gorgeous art. So, tell us what Le- uh, Layla in the Lands of Afters about. Yeah,
1: Sean Sean is one of my all time favorite collaborators, and so that that run that we did on Doctor Fate is is looking at the vastness of my career remains one of my favorite things that i've ever ever done it's one of those rare occasions where i'm working on a mainstream dc character but we had the freedom to essentially make it a creator owned book in a way Mm -hmm. it was like we were doing a vertigo book before there was vertigo they let let us have that much freedom so layla and sean aside from being just an extraordinary artist who has kept getting better and better and better over the years it's just a wonderful guy. We loved working together on this years ago. We've done a few little stories over the years, but we started talking about Layla about 12 years ago. I because in my mind, he was the guy to do it. And you're right to to make a connector to Abadizad because you know Abadizad was my was my opportunity to try to do comics for all ages. And when I say all ages, I don't mean kids' comics. I mean like Madeleine LaEngle you know, like uh, Harry Potter, you know, or even the Oz books. You know, when I would read the Oz books with my kids, I loved them as much as my kids did. We read mm-hmm. through all, whatever they were, 16 of Baum's books. And just to back it up, because of my love of Wizard of Oz, you know, we talk about when I, TV when I was a kid, all the Westerns. Well, there, was no, uh, there were no VCRs, there were no DVDs, there was no streaming. The Wizard of Oz was on once a year. Mm-hmm. I think it was at Easter time.
0: It, it was, was a an event. massive,
1: it was a big deal and i remember pulling the chair up near the tv and you couldn't wait and so i I love that movie images from the wizard of oz have i realize have circled through my work consciously and unconsciously for years you know that certain imagery from certain stories imprint on you like the giant head uh, of the wizard i can look through a bunch of stories of mine and find giant heads and i realize (laughs) it's because as a kid that head just like what is that you know so, one of the things, though, that always bugged me about that story, and it bugged me as a kid and it bugged me as an adult, is that at the end of the story, they say to Dorothy, well, you know, oh, poor Dorothy. And it's not, it's not, this is not the way it works in Baum's book. This is just in the movie. You know, she gets conked on the head. And at the end, they say, oh, that was quite a dream you had. <laughs> and as a kid, you go, that wasn't a dream. It was real, you know? And as an adult, I was thinking about that. Well, gets, Dorothy gets smashed in the head. With this with this window frame. I mean, she's like seriously hurt. She's like in a coma practically. Um, so I decided, oh, she had a near-death experience. And when she went to Oz, she really went, and that was an aspect of the afterlife. And that journey was her getting back to her body. This is the whole story that I made up. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. Sometimes I'll I'll watch a movie or read a book. And I'm not satisfied with some aspect of it. So I write my own version of it. Mm -hmm. And that evolves into a completely separate story. And that's what happened here, along with my own fascination with the afterlife. You know, I've I've read a lot of different theories from different mystical traditions about the afterlife. I have my own ideas about it. So this was also a place for me to put all those ideas about the afterlife into one story. So our story starts in 1995. Uh, uh, Layla is 13 years old she's biking home from her best friend's house and she's uh, zooming down this hill and she's suddenly swept up in this ball of light carried away and she finds herself in a place that could be Oz or Wonderland or Neverland or Narnia or any of those wonderful places I love all those books and uh, and it all seems great until this cat comes trotting along and she realizes that this is her cat her cat that died like five years before And then along comes her grandfather, who's also dead, and they inform her that so is she. That light that enveloped her was the light of the car that ran her down. So it goes from like, oh, I'm in Oz to like, what, I'm dead? But this this 13-year-old girl, she's like, just that, I'm 13. I have a whole life to live. I refuse to be dead, and I'm going to find a way to get back. So with her grandfather, with the cat, with the help of another wonderful character called the not-quite-fallen angel and some other people that they meet along the way, it's the journey through the lands of after to find a way to get Layla back before it's too late, or maybe it is too late and she doesn't know it yet. That's one of the questions. And um, the reason it's the lands of after is that in my concept, you know – I don't know if you've ever read any of these books by these people that claim, you know, they had a near-death experience, and they went to the afterlife, and they come back, and they write a book, and they tell you with, with authority exactly what the afterlife is like. And my take on that is, if I was an alien on another planet, and I wanted to know what life was like on Earth, right, and I make a phone call, and I get, I get somebody living in the worst slum in Mumbai, And they explain to him what their life is like and their struggle and their poverty and their hunger. And they live under a piece of tin, uh, next to hundreds of other pieces of tin. And, oh, so that's life on Earth. And then, you know, somebody else picks up the phone and they get Bill Gates on the other end. Well, I have a private jet. I have 20 houses. I have billions of dollars. And my every whim is in dough. Oh, that's life on Earth. Then they call you. So, you know, there how there are as many versions of life on earth as there are people practically. And that's okay. my idea of the afterlife. When you get to the, the the lands of after are composed of imagination. So what you project, what you expect is what you get. And when people first die, if you expect a Christian heaven with angels and clouds and harps, you'll get that. If you're full of guilt and you expect hell and devils and torture, you'll create that. If your dream of the afterlife is, I want to be 10 years old again, you know, playing baseball in the street with my friends. That's what you'll get. And then there's so much more beyond that. So when they travel, they're not just traveling through one land, they're traveling through many lands. And I, I love that concept. That that also allows the story to get big and for us to play with a lot of different ideas
0: and concepts. It's all about uh, perspective. And I, I, I love that Layla, she doesn't have the life experience. Like you said, she's so young when she passes away. So I, I like that idea of her coming of age after she's, you know, sort of ceased to exist in, in the real world. Uh, there's an interesting kind of hook there, right? Like how does she gain her life experiences when she's not really alive? Not in right. the traditional sense, right?
1: Right, exactly. But, but of course, through this journey, she will have, I guess,
0: afterlife experience. We'll right. <laughs> she may end up wiser than us all with uh, that's right. That's you know, right. Seeing so many different perspectives. So fantastic. Uh, and is this something that you and Sean have been talking about for, uh, you know, a lot of yeah. these concepts seems like they've been around for a long time. Yeah.
1: This one, Sean and I've been talking about, like I said, for about 12 years. And we, we, you know, as what happens when you're a freelancer, you know, you develop it, you pitch it, you don't sell it. At one point we did sell it. We had contracts. There was a problem with the contract. We had to walk away. You put it away for a while. You take it out, you revise it. And then the, the, the interesting thing when you have ideas that you have for so long, it's happened to me several times. I know the story inside and out. I've been working on it for 12 years. And then I sit down to write and I'm like, wait a minute. So who is Layla really? And until the moment I sit down to write, I thought I understood these characters in this world. And suddenly these things begin to reveal themselves. And the Layla that I ended up writing was not necessarily the Layla that I thought I knew before. So that's really, you know, that, 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 that journey of discovery for me as a writer. And the other thing I want to say about Layla again, big story, because the reason why I said it in 1995, because I have an idea in my head how this story will follow Layla to, to the end of her days. Three different miniseries set at different points in her life, each one of which takes her to the lands of after. Yeah.
0: Three different points in her afterlife, perhaps.
1: Yes. Or afterlife, <laughs> depending on, we can't, we can't say which. it is. That's right. right exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, well, the last book is probably the one that's most uh, traditionally super heroic uh, called any man. Um, right. So talk a little bit about the, the concept for this, because this one sounds fascinating as well.
1: Yeah. And, and again, it, it's on the surface, it is the most traditionally super heroic. And the great thing about it is that there are, there are there's a twist and another twist lying underneath the surface here. So, um, and again, broad spectrum it takes place over the course of about 50 years. It starts in 1969, Times Square. There's a portal that opens. Through it comes this, you know, this costumed being who has come to us from millions of years in the past from an advanced civilization uh you know one of these you, know, you, you could you, you, it's it's Atlantis it's Krypton whatever you want to call it it has its own name obviously but the perfect world of millions of years in the past but their arrogance their hubris got the better of them and their whole civilization came crashing down he's been sent into the future to what he says is the crisis point for our civilization to help us so that we do not end up the same way that his civilization did so then for the next 50 years any man becomes the hero. He becomes the guy not just, you know, in one city, in one nation, but globally that people all over the world look up to who that he inspires them. And the big problem is that this whole story that we know about any man is a total lie. This origin story is a complete fabrication. So who is it? What's his agenda? Who created him? Why is he here? That's the first mystery. And then beneath that, there's a second twist about just who any man is as well. And I don't want to give either one of those away because they're both really, really interesting.
0: So where's the scope in, in this one? Is it talking that once we discover those um, ideas, is it delving into his identity, motivations? We will be going back and forth in time through those 50 years. So there's a main
1: story taking place in the present day, which in the course of the story is like 2019, but we'll also be jumping back to 1969 and maybe 1975 and maybe 1986. So there's a broad, broad, broad scope. It reminds me a little bit of a book I did called The Life and Times of Savior 28, where we were jumping back and forth in time. I like to do that. It's that kind of Citizen Kane feeling, you know, mm-hmm. where you you know, you have this story going on here, but you can jump back here. And that that, that by jumping back there, you understand more about what's happening over right. here. Um so there, there's a lot to dig into and a lot to explore with any man. And it's being done, drawn by David Baldion. Um, David he, and I worked together on Ben Riley Spider-Man. Uh, I became a huge, huge, huge fan of his work as a result of working with him on that. And I invited him to take, play, to take part in this. And he did. And, and as fantastic as his work on Ben Riley is, he's transcended it with any man. He's just doing a, a beautiful, a beautiful job.
0: Yeah, he is such a talented artist. He has a little more of a traditional superhero style. But the thing about David, and uh, I think when I first noticed his work was when he was doing um, the series Domino with Gail Simone. Gail brings a lot of humor to his work, uh, or to her work, rather. And David, he's always got – he just does those little things in his line work. Yes, For humor, for humanity, for intimacy.
1: I was just going to say humor and humanity and the big action beats. He brings it all. He really brings it all. I have to mention also that um, Any Man and Layla are being colored by Arthur Hesley, who is a wonderful colorist, kind of new to the business. He's been around for a little while. I didn't know about him. And he's just... He's phenomenal, just phenomenal. He's doing such beautiful work. Uh Taylor Esposito is lettering Layla. He's lettering any man. Matt Smith is penciling, inking, lettering, and coloring wow. and himself. And um, so God bless him uh for that. And as I said, I keep joking. And then he will also come to your house and do a song and a dance and uh <laughs> and cook you dinner. So he's he's really he's so
0: easy to get along with, yeah. So I'm going to remind you, uh, listeners once again, even if this doesn't sound like it's for you, which I can't imagine. I mean, each of these stories is so different. Uh, there's got to be some one of those books that, that's for you. Uh, share it. Just share it out on social media. Let's spread the word. Um, there's a link in the show notes. You can go everybody and, and click there in the campaign and check it out. Uh, before we move on, cause I do want to talk a little bit about. Ben Riley that, you know, we we're talking about David, um, your collaborator on that. Let's let everybody know, what are some of the awards? What are some of the tiers? Like, do, do I have to get it collected? Can I just get the one that interests me? Like, uh, what's oh, available? You can, yeah,
1: here? you can, you know, if you want to vote, you want to get all four of the collected edition. But you can get single issues. You can get, like I said, we have, we have um, four different... Um, Alternate covers, it's a beautiful cover that we put out already that people can see by J.H. Williams III, one of my all-time favorite, favorite artists. Just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, Kevin McGuire is doing an alternate cover. We have a we have a mystery artist that we haven't announced yet, um, Dustin Yen, as we said. Um, so you can buy, you want to just buy the J.H. Williams cover? You can do that. You want to buy all four books? You can get that. There's all different packages and all different levels. Lots of rewards you can get. I think we have one left, a 25-minute Zoom call with me. Or a 25 minute Zoom call with Matt. There's t shirts, there's uh, autographs, there's, um, I do, I have a consulting business where I work with people on their, on their writing. There's, uh, I think we sold out of those, but we might reintroduce them later if we hit a certain, a certain point in our fundraising. So a two hour story consult while I'll read and critique your work. Um, And there are other things that are escaping me, but, you know, go to, go, go to the Kickstarter page. You'll see it's all there and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's um, some fun stuff. Some fun stuff. Yeah,
0: I had to get the uh the collected <clears throat> edition uh as well as the singles uh because the covers are so fantastic uh, liam sharp's doing the uh cover. oh yeah i forgot
1: to mention liam liam the cover i looked at liam's cover i said liam i have to make a poster out of this and hang it in my office <laughs> yeah. it's it's like the multiverse movie poster it's right. just fantastic it's really just amazing you know i would i would i would i would i would support this just for the artists forget the story for a minute just forget the story <laughs> the art between the guys that are doing the four books and the people that we've got contributing covers, it's really incredible. And, you know, I I am completely unobjective, but if I was a fan, a comic book fan, and I saw all these artists, I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why David wanted to do four, because you're bringing in, you know, different fan bases for, you know, my fan base, the four artists fan base, the fan bases for the artists that are doing the, the covers and all that. And it becomes something uh, uh, new and exciting and and really fun. I think so. Um, yeah, I think I'm hyped out on that
0: one. Okay, <laughs> is this the most kind of amount of different artists you've worked with at one time, the most projects? And the reason I ask is because I know how much writers love to have that art coming into their inbox. Oh, right?
1: that's 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 the best part. That you know, I always say that when the art comes in. I become like an, a nine-year-old laying on my living room floor reading a comic book, turning the page. You know, every page is a revelation when you're a kid reading a comic book. That's the best part because it doesn't matter how long – that's why all of these artists are credited as co-creators on these books. They are equal partners because I don't care how long this idea was in my head. I don't care if it's in my head for 50 years until it is brought to – vision. it's a comic book. Until it's brought to visual life, it doesn't exist. So they absolutely merit and deserve being called co-creators. They're designing this world I'm creating in my head. They're designing and executing and telling this story. So, you know,
0: we're all partners in this. Yeah. And it goes back to something I've heard you say uh, quite a few times is that you give the same script to, you know, four different artists, you're going to end up with four different stories, four different worlds because they bring so much to it. And until it exists, like you said, uh, it it, it doesn't, you know, it's not the story that it is that we all get to see until they draw it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So you wanted to say
0: something about Ben Riley? Yeah. um, Now that it, so obviously this one was set back kind of at that time when Ben was Spider-Man and and Peter and Mary Jane were off in the Pacific Northwest. It was so interesting to me, the timing uh, because it, it, and we talked about this when we were on the show, it felt so much of that time, you know, that original, uh, aftermath of the Clone uh, Saga and what have you, but at the same time in the regular Spider-Man book, they were turning Ben Riley into a villain. He's a villain currently, which I find to be so interesting that that timing. Um, so, how was it? Do you feel like? the Ben Riley series that you did? Do you feel like it was well-received? Did you and David uh, hear from a lot of fans? Like It was
1: very, you know, what I discovered was that there are a lot of, a lot of people out there that really love Ben Riley, and it sold well. And the reception was great. And uh, because I love Ben, you know, I really, really, I love that character. Um, uh, You know, as I keep saying, these people are real to me. I, I know Ben, I believe in Ben. He's a real person. So writing this story was like, Ben, I haven't seen you in so many years. Let's get together. Tell me what's going on. I'll write your story. You know, uh, it was just, it was, I loved it from beginning to end. I mean, I could, if they offered it to me, I would write Ben Riley's stories, you know, set back then or set during those lost years. Cause, you know, I did that lost years miniseries.
0: I could do that for a long time, long, long time. Cause I just, loved could it. you write Ben in current continuity as a villain? Would that hold any interest for you?
1: You know, I haven't read those stories, so I I can't comment on them as stories. So my first instinct is, oh, I don't want to write Ben as a villain, but I know who I am as a writer. If someone came to me and presented this to me as a challenge, here's Ben, here's where he's at now. Because So he's being labeled a villain, but no villain feels that he's a villain. He's still Ben in there. Mm -hmm. He's still got all Ben's interesting psychology going on. So probably given a chance, I could write him,
0: But, but the Ben I'm attached to is the Ben that I know. Right. And I felt the same way. It took me a little while to be I mean, at the end of the day, I i, I either have to accept it or choose not to read it, which both right. are valid. Bo- both are valid choices. But I didn't like it, uh, you know, at first when they did it. But then the more I kind of sat with it, I was like, well, it is interesting. And, and these characters can't stagnate. Right. Like, right. Uh, you've got to tell your, you know, as a writer, as a, as a uh, creator, you've got to let them tell their stories and there's no reason that it's not going to circle back around and we'll, have. I was just going to say that yeah. because, you
1: know, it's comics, we know it's, it, things continue to change and the, some radical change comes and it gets reset and it changes again. And that's the fun, that's the frustration of it. And that's the fun of it at the same time. Yeah. So, and the, the bottom line is it's not a question of, Oh, did they turn Ben into this? It's a question of how well did they do it? You know, how, how good is the story? How good is the art? And I'm sure the story and art are great. So, you know, and it's just like the clone saga, you know, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, those books sold really, really well. While everyone was screaming, what are you doing? They were all reading it every month, you know? So um, it's, it's good to stir things up a little bit, as long as you're delivering
0: good stories. Yep. Exactly. Exactly, and it's it, that old adage, right? As creators, you give the fans what you think they need, not necessarily what they want. We don't know what we want, we right? Just because want.
1: you you can't you no no creator of anything, you know, writing, art, music, whatever. You want an audience to love the work, but you can't tailor your work to what you think is an audience expectation. Because even if you did, by the time you did it,
0: that expectation would be something else. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about this. Hum, you know, humanity, you know, in and of itself, we're never satisfied. If you gave us what we want, then we, we would, we still wouldn't be satisfied. We'd want something different, you know, right, there's, right, no, right, there's right. no, there's so no. So I
1: cheesy. feel like my only, my, my responsibility to the audience is to give them a good story
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's up to them to accept it or reject it. And you know what, if someone rejects it and doesn't like it, well, you know, we all want everyone to love us on some level, but it's, but it's okay. You're free not to like it. It's really okay. And there's so much stuff out there. So go find the
0: thing that you really, really love. And maybe next year I'll have something that you love and you'll come back. Yeah. And it, and for me, it's about subverting expectations as well, which you did with Excavator. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but we got to touch on uh, Spider-Man Lost Hunt first, because you are yes. returning again to this concept of, of Peter and, uh, and Sergei Kravinov, Kraven the Hunter um which you know one of your works that's probably most well known you know Craven's last hunt and uh, i don't remember that one what was that one about the <laughs> Fear, fearful Symmetry. I can't, and uh, uh, i can't
1: place it but i'll take your word for it
0: yeah was there some threads were there things about craven because you, you know you you've gone back to craven and Peter at, at various times over the years were there still some unanswered questions some story left to tell there for you?
1: There actually was, which is interesting because they came to me and they, and I I thought they were going to come to me and say, I didn't pitch this. They came to me and they said, well, you know, Ben Riley did really, really well. What we'd like you to do next is something with Peter and Mary Jane in the same time period. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And we'd like Craven to be involved in some way. And my first reaction was been there, done that. I don't know about that. But then I remembered that the past few years has been this character in the back of my head, swimming around back there, that I wanted to find a way to get out. And it relates directly to Craven because the question I've had about Craven, which we explore here, is what happened? Here is this exiled Russian aristocrat, comes to the United States with his family. His mother goes mad and dies in an institution. His father's a broken man. And somewhere along the line, he transforms into this guy, Craven, the Hunter there's a piece missing. And, and, and the character I had in mind is pivotal to that missing piece. And so she's been, it's a woman. She's been marinating back there for a while, you know? So I started, and and this is what happens. It happens so many times, you know, it happens a lot, you know, when I work on, on the animated stuff where they come to me, well, this is the next animated movie we want to do. And sometimes my first reaction is, oh, that character. And then I start to think about it and I do some digging and I dig a little bit more. And suddenly I'm completely excited, and I can't wait to tell that story. And that's what happened with this. So it takes place in that time period. Peter and Mary Jane are in Portland. Uh, They are married. Mary Jane is very pregnant. The only story that really was ever told about that time period was Fabian's, uh, it's called The Last Adventure or something Mm -hmm. like that. And at the end of that, Peter lost all his powers. So he's not Spider-Man anymore. He has no powers whatsoever. And into this steps, if you remember a character called Gregor, who was kind of Craven's right-hand man, right hand man, he showed up in the 90s. And he <clears throat> has been waiting. He blames Peter for Sergei's death, for Vladimir's death, because he was he was Sergei's right-hand man, but he was also Vladimir's teacher. Uh, he also claims that he claims that he is the guy that actually taught Craven, that he's the one that's filling in that missing piece. Um and he finally is ready to have his revenge. On the spider, because he's still obsessed with the idea that Craven did, that That Peter's not really just a man. He's this entity called the spider, and he's finally going to bring him down and dis- destroy him. But into this mix also comes our third character, who I don't want to say anything about, who spins the whole story. And so in the course of our our ongoing story that's taking place in Peter's present day, which is, you know, who knows in Marvel continuity when this is? Is it two years ago? Is it five years ago? Uh, we just say a few years ago. We leave it at that. Um, but we get backstory on her, her connection to Craven, and on this journey that Craven made that turned him from a uh, Sergei Kravenov into Craven the Hunter, and it's a really interesting story. Um, so it's working on a lot of different levels, and the fun of it for me is Peter doesn't have any powers, and so it really goes to the heart of the question of well, who who, who is this character? I've always said, and I bet you almost every guy who's ever or woman who's ever written Spider-Man would say the book isn't about Spider-Man. It's about Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. The hero isn't Spider-Man. The hero is Peter Parker. And this gives us a chance to really explore that because there's no thwip-thwip swinging on webs. It's just not happening. So it's all Peter. And Peter,
0: to me, is the hero of the book, not Spider-Man. And we really explore that issue. Yeah. The two comic characters that that kind of resonates with for me that Regardless of powers, they're going to, you know, the powers are sort of almost the afterthought. It's Superman and Spider-Man, right? It's about the morality of the character. It's about their motivation. Right. It's about who they are right. that makes right. them a hero. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it applies to Captain America. I'm thinking about it yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, right. it's Steve Rogers. It's not it's not the the flag costume or the, or the super soldier serum or the shield. You know, it's really the essence of Captain America is the essence of who Steve Rogers is.
0: Yeah, you're you're right. And uh, probably because uh, what speaks of that, my favorite line of, of any MCU movie ever is uh, and Chris Evans obviously does a fantastic job. But at the beginning of the first movie, when he says, I don't like bullies, I don't I don't care you know, who they are. And he's still the skinny, scrawny, you know, nothing. guy. Right. And he's right. standing I love up for I
1: absolutely yeah. love that movie. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, well, we've talked a, a little bit about Excavator, uh, which I just love. Uh, we're talking about subverting expectations. And I have to say, as a parent, this was so terrifying. Uh, so let everybody know what it's about. Uh, and I think it's available on Amazon. There's probably. It's available on there. Amazon
1: and both as both a, a really cheap ebook. I think it's a dollar. Yeah. Or, or or a very nice physical book depending on your preferences i kind of like them both myself um it, it it came about because there's a there's a website called neotex neotexcorp.com and they do a lot of original uh fiction and nonfiction. and and so uh it, and they have they have their their literary imprint and i did this novella through them and one of the things that they do which is so wonderful is that they they do 10 illustrations for each novella so my friend Vasilis uh, Vassilis, a wonderful artist from Greece, did 10 beautiful paintings to go with this novella. So I just want to put that out there. One of the reasons why I think it's fun to have a physical book is that you can really, really sit there with those illustrations and really, mm-hmm. really take them in. Um, so I'll give you the premise. Well, you know, but I'll give the audience the premise of the story because the premise is just, the, as you know, the first step. And then it takes off, I think, into places that you don't expect from that premise. Exactly. So our main character, uh, this woman, Sandra Rosen, wakes up one morning in her apartment. Her husband's sleeping in bed next to her, and she, she looks at the end of the bed, and there's a kid standing there, a little boy. And she, you know, she's half asleep, so you know, it's kind of that moment when you're half asleep and half awake. Am I really seeing that? Uh, or am I dreaming? And then she suddenly realizes, no, there's a kid at the end of my bed, and I have never seen this child before in my life. And she starts to panic. And then this kid starts crawling into bed with her. And she freaks out and she pushes this kid off the bed and he falls on the floor and he starts to cry. And the, father, the husband wakes up. What's going on? And, and the kid looks at, at her husband and says, Daddy, what's going on? Why did mommy push me like that? She hurt me. Well, it turns out that this mysterious child that she's never seen before is her son. And somehow all memory of her child has been completely erased from her mind. They don't know what's happened. Did she have a stroke? Is there something wrong with her brain? They take her to the hospital. They check her out. They can't find anything wrong. Maybe it's some kind of trauma. Maybe it's shock. Maybe it's stress. They don't know. And then she gets a text message basically saying, give us $250,000 for the return of the memories of your son. If you don't give us $250,000, we're going to take your daughter next. And that's the jumping. Yeah, it is terrifying. It's that's the jumping off point, you know, and as a parent, you know, those are the moments that, that, that they're horrifying, but they're great, great story moments because they go right to your heart. Yeah. They go right to your heart. And this sends her on a journey uh, to essentially seek out the person that did this to her. It involves a couple of FBI, uh, an FBI agent and a psychic that works for the FBI and Use the phrase, you know, subvert expectations. And I think one of the things that we do in this story is we subvert a lot of expectations about what the story is, about who our heroes are, and who our bad guys are. And that's all I want to say about it. I'm a big Twilight Zone fan. I think there's a Twilight Zone element to this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, It's – I wouldn't call it horror. I like the phrase supernatural thriller more. Um, It's more – more Sixth Sense than a horror movie. I don't think like a movie like The Sixth Sense is a horror movie. It's got supernatural, it's creepy, but it's not like in your face, bleeding horror, you know? And it's very, very rooted in character and emotion. And it's a story that I'm really, really proud of. I'm so glad to know that you read it uh, and that you enjoyed it because it really means a lot to me because I haven't gotten a ton of feedback on it. So
0: thank you. Yeah. Again, it was, it was fascinating and it's, what one of the best things that what the best horror does, it's about what I brought to it, right? Like my, uh, you know, my experiences as, as a parent, right? right Somebody who right. doesn't have kids yet is going to bring something else, you know, right, maybe they're going to, yeah, they're going to relate maybe more to, well, what if my parents forgot, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. It's
1: interesting as you get older how your perception of stories changes in terms of who you may relate to Mm -hmm. in a given story. I just reread for the first time in years, uh, maybe in decades, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, yeah. And I always identified, thought the kids, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. reading it now and I realize the hero of this story is the dad. And that's the one that I'm connecting with and identifying
0: with, you know, but at other points in my life, I wasn't thinking like that, you know? It's very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And it's uh, something else that I say all the time is the best stories are ones that make you think. uh, And Excavator certainly does that. Your work uh, in superhero comics makes me do that. And I can't wait to see kind of what ideas spring from reading uh, these multiverse titles.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's exciting. It's unnerving. It's delightful. <laughs> it's, 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 really, it's, it, it's been quite, it's been quite a journey and we just started because we have almost, you know, what do we have? 25 days ahead of us till this thing runs its course. And right. then as I noted, they'll still be available on the Spellbound Comics website.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll put a link to the Spellbound Comics website in the, uh, in the show notes, everybody there's, there'll be a link to uh, X on Amazon. You can go there and obviously a link to the, God campaign. bless you. So uh Jay, Can I up- hire you as my PR guy? This is you're great. <laughs> it's so uh, just like yourself, you know, I got the day job. It it makes uh doing this uh so much harder, but it's such a right. joy. Right. Uh so as we're winding up here, let's remind everybody, uh, because I know you do love getting feedback, where's the best place to follow your work online? I know you have the, the newsletter and whatnot. So let everybody know uh um, where, where uh social
1: down. media I, I always say my main squeeze is Twitter. You know, that's, that's my, I I'm probably on Twitter more than anything else at JMD Mateus, but I also do Facebook at JMD Mateus. I'm on Instagram, which is JM dot D Mateus. There's that dot between the M and the D um, I have a website, jmdmateus.com. and God, that's enough, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, in a way it's never enough, right? Because like you said, uh, it's just so hard to m- make connections um, one of the things that uh, you said at the very beginning about doing these Kickstarters, it's, it's both the easiest thing to do and also the hardest thing to do. Easy in terms of there's no barriers now if you're a creator yes. and you want to get it. same thing out with there. social
1: media. That's one of the things I like about social media is there's no barrier. Anyone wants to talk to me and approach me, they can. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, we're, we're, these things are too you – know, we know the internet can be a very ugly place. But I've, for the most part, with a few exceptions, my experiences on social media have been very, very positive. Really, really nice people out there, and I've so enjoyed the interactions.
0: But then the challenge becomes both in terms of social media and and you know st- standing out, and the same thing with you know on the rack at the comic store. Yeah, everybody is out there now, and it just makes it that much harder to uh, to gain people's attention.
1: That's another reason why why the Kickstarter is 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 a valuable thing because it's really hard, you know through the various publishers getting original work out there because there's so much material out there. It's so easy to get lost in the crowd. And sometimes despite their best intentions, you know, you set up something with a publisher, the work goes out and it's going out with 40 other books that they're publishing that Mm -hmm. month. And where do they put the spotlight and where do they put the focus? And sometimes I've seen my work, I feel like it got thrown on a truck and the truck drives into the ocean and it just sinks and you never hear from it again. And it's not really their fault because they're juggling so much stuff. Um, so at least with this, we are captains of our own ship. And if, if the ship hits a reef and it sinks, but the reality is it's not going to sink because these books are coming out, they're done and they're going to be out in the world and we will find a way to continue them. You know, fantastic.
0: And we'll definitely have to have you back on. Uh, I'll talk, we'll talk about that after we stop recording, but definitely have to have you back on to talk about the next, uh, next crowdfund. Is that, is that kind of your thought to continue this is to continue to crowdfund? I think we're talking to David. What
1: he has in mind is, uh, we'll get this wrapped up. We'll get these books out. We'll do the vote, and if you vote for any man or Layla or Godsend or Wisdom, whichever it is, then this time next year we will do another round to to do a complete mini series with
0: that character. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Well, but uh, you never know. Maybe things will be so fabulously successful that we'll
0: be able to do, do two mini series or four. three or yeah. four. You know. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm all for it. So, uh, again, thanks so much for your time. It's always a pleasure chatting. Yeah, uh, it's
1: great to talk to you. You're you're, yeah. you're really a pleasure to talk to.
0: I always feel like God, we really could go on and on and on and on, but we got to get you back to the uh, the writing table. So, uh, so I'll right. let you go. But a uh, reminder, everybody, all the links you need will be in the show notes. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Go check out Excavator. It's available uh, right now. Again, link in the show notes. It's a a fantastic page turner. So uh, once again, JM, thanks so much. Congratulations on already funding. And here's to uh, best of luck to really hit all those stretch goals. Thank you so much. Uh, And to all you listeners, thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash source. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.